0: I do want to start off with a disclaimer. Uh, Even though we're going to be going into some hardcore counseling skills today, I am not a therapist. Not yet. I'm currently working through the internship phase of my master's degree, so I've got counseling experience, but I am not a credentialed therapist yet. So uh, it's important that I tell you that, because I wouldn't want to misrepresent myself to you in terms of what I'm offering you, And I also want to add to that disclaimer that at the end of this, you will also not be a therapist. Okay? (laughs) It's easy, because this stuff is so easy and it works so well, it's easy to think, I can tackle anything now. You can't. And I'm not saying that in a condescending way, but this is really just something to kind of help us along with that conversation uh, path and and hopefully open you up to maybe um, exploring for yourself a little bit more. Um, but you will hopefully walk away with some skills. So having said that, um, I want to go into the differences real quickly between what spiritual counseling is and what secular counseling is. Because if you start reading into it, they're, they're very different. Um, in spiritual counseling, the strengths that a person has are, are specific and unique to themselves. However, any limitations that are really there tend to disappear um, as the spirit directs and and really fosters change in them. Um, And and along that line, you know, the direction that a person takes is really specific to the word of God. At the end of the day, each person comes to a line that's drawn and they have to make a decision whether or not they're going to be on one side of that line or another. And lastly, change is is initiated by the person, so there's effort involved in, ...in change that takes place, but ultimately it's really fulfilled by the Spirit... ...and it, and it should be promoting a conformity to Christ's image. So that's the, the, the ultimate goal of, of spiritual counseling. In secular counseling, um, the strengths are specific to the client or the person you're working with... ...as are the limitations. And while you can overcome some limitations and you can bring about some positive change in the person's life... There are others that, that simply will not change because they are still fully and completely human in every sense of the word. Or they're simply not willing to approach those limitations. So we try to work around those, or, or in most secular counseling, they try to make the people okay with those limitations and move on with their lives. Um, the direction is specific to the person. So uh, if you attended Brother Doug's uh, forum today... You know, the, the laws of relativism and postmodernism modernism are, are in full swing in, in the field of counseling. Um, you know, whatever a person determines to be their own truth is their truth. Um, and with the exception of whether or not their path uh, contradicts with social norms or the social definition of what is healthy or acceptable or laws, anything goes. And lastly, um, change is enacted and perpetuated by that person. They're not getting any outside help. So all the resources uh, for change are, are in them and in them only. So as you can see, there are a lot of limitations to secular counseling, but in a spiritual counseling sense, there, there are limitations in that you can't do just anything you want, but you can accomplish anything with the Spirit's help. Um, so because this is an interactive forum, I don't want you to get too comfortable hearing my voice. Um, what I want you to do is whoever you're sitting next to right now? They're your partner. If you're an odd number person, find someone you can sit next to. And we're just going to talk for a couple minutes. Um, And I want you to talk about an issue you've had since you've come to camp. Something that came up that was less than ideal for you. Okay? So you don't have to think about it. It This does not have to be a deep spiritual issue or anything like that could be something as simple as the the man who scooped my ice cream today gave me chocolate peanut butter ice cream instead of chocolate (laughs) but i wanted the chocolate peanut butter so it was okay but okay so just take a couple minutes turn to your partner and just have a conversation okay um okay so now that you've had this brief experience um what did you was there anything that you noticed about your partner and yourself i noticed we had some triads instead of dyads and that's fine but um, was there anything that kind of stuck out to you initially? Just, just as a blanket statement, was there anything that stuck out to you when you started having this conversation? Not a thing. After 60 years? <laughs> okay. That's the problem. Few people know each other too well. No. Okay, so for, those, so for those who weren't talking to their spouse or their child, um, was there anything that just kind of stuck out to you? I, well, actually, it does kind of stick out that, that with familiarity comes ease of the conversation. What about those of you who are less familiar with each other? Yeah, actually, it, was, it seemed pretty seamless. I was expecting a whole lot of, yeah, what do we talk about? But actually, everyone really jumped into it. Did anyone pay attention to each other's body language? Brother Dan, you, you had... Oh, yes, okay. Okay, talking about not every conflict is bad and you can learn from it. Sounds like a really good discussion. Brother Dan, you had, had a comment also. Oh, there was some awkwardness. Okay. So there was some initial awkwardness as you kind of orient to the situation, you're, and, and that's, that's natural. Yes? I kind of noticed that it's probably by handling, because I don't know how very well. Like, we're sitting side by side like this, and we're trying to bring up some topic of, you know, issue. Yeah. so I really... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Did, did anyone notice themselves? Yeah, it, it, that, and I'm glad you felt awkward, because that's what I really wanted to, to tune into here. Um, you know, when, when you started this conversation, did anyone kind of cross their legs or fold their arms? Or did... Omi, Omi has a way that, that she, sits, she sits like this, and it's great. Um, but, but, yeah, so you noticed that about yourself. Did you notice it in the other person? Anyone notice it in the other person? You did? Okay, not many. Were, uh, show of hands, were you, if you were more aware of your own body language, raise your hand. Okay, if you were more aware of the other person's body language, raise your hand. Okay, if you weren't aware of either, raise your hand. Okay, no, that's good. That's fine, that's fine. See, the way I do forms, there is no wrong answer, so it's Okay. Yes, exactly. Everything's right. <laughs> um, so I, I just wanted to kind of draw out a little bit what it's like to have a normal conversation versus a therapeutic or a helping conversation. So in, in a normal conversation, there's, there's advice giving. Maybe you engaged in that as you were talking, but five minutes isn't really enough time for you to be able to share advice to each other. Um, but usually, in a normal conversation, there's reciprocal sharing. So I put something out there, you put something out there. I put something out there, you put something out there. And if one person starts dominating the discussion, suddenly I have to go to the bathroom and I'll catch up with you later. <laughs> small talk. Did anyone start engaging in small talk while we were having the conversation? Wow, that's, you guys are obedient. That's great. I found that a little difficult <laughs> to like sitting like this. Yes. The, 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 the orientation, and Sister Amy commented on that too, the orientation was, was very different, um, and it actually impeded the conversation. Hold on to that, because we're actually going to be coming back to that. Um, this, this didn't happen at all when we did the exercise, which is cool, but um, in, in normal conversation, silence is bad. If there is a silence, people start getting fidgety and start looking for an excuse to go to the bathroom. But generally, we are very uncomfortable with Silence. We have to fill it. And if the other person isn't talking, we're about to. Um, judgments. Um, whether we're judging the other person in our mind or we're judging their situation. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, my goodness, that sounds awful. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Uh, a judgment can be positive as well as negative, but, but their conversations are fraught with them, largely because we want to offer our opinion to people, but we also want to elicit people's approval or, or their opinions as we talk, too, usually. Um, lack of eye contact sister Amy you you mentioned mentioned this too that it was hard to make eye contact with the other person how much would you guess people make eye contact as they have a conversation if you had to come to a ratio of of percentages 10% 10 eye contact of which person well he he said 10% eye contact just overall no it's not It's it's somewhere around 80 and 20 in a normal conversation. The person who is speaking uh, makes eye contact about 20% of the time. The person who is listening makes eye contact 80% of the time. Because it's how we... and and then we swap out. When the next person starts talking, they make less eye contact. Because as long as I'm not making eye contact with you, I hold the floor. And if I'm making eye contact with you, if I'm talking to my father, and, and we're having a conversation, and I'm talking to him, if, I, if I'm looking away every now and then and I check in with him and he's not looking at me, he's not paying attention. So that eye contact increases in a casual conversation so that when the person does check in with you, they know you're there. But when you've got the floor, there's no need to make the eye contact. Texting and multitasking. Has anyone ever been at a restaurant? Maybe this is you. Hopefully not. But have you ever been at a restaurant and you look over and you see this lovely family and they're not talking to each other at all, they're all, they're all, you know, like this. they yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, they're, they're discussing, you know, a tale of two cities through text or something like that. But, but by and large, we have gotten so used to multitasking while we have conversations with people. Even if it's something as simple as, as eating or, um, or walking to a certain place or writing down a note or something like that, it's, it's very common. If you start paying attention... Undivided attention is a little unnerving in a casual conversation. Um, the focus tends to be on others. Um, gossip is a huge issue, just in society in general. But in casual conversations, we are more likely to talk about other people and how they're affecting us, as opposed to ourselves. Um, and we also tend to either be agreeable or be aggressive. So I'm, I'm going I'm to say, yes, 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 that sounds so terrible. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. Or, well, have you considered doing this? Oh, I'm not really sure that's working out for you. How about you try something else? So we're much more comfortable if, maybe if we don't like the person as much or something like that, or they're a sibling, we, we might be okay with confronting them more. Or, or we just, to show them that we care about them, we agree with them on everything. Um, in, in a therapeutic conversation, we tend to elicit more private speech. Um, we try to get to what is going on inside the person's head. Um, and it's not, it's not about me. It's not about what I, as the person who is the helper, is bringing to the conversation, this time that we're spending right now is about you. So that we can help you out. Um, We try to move beyond the surface issues. This isn't about small talk. This is about a problem that you're facing right now. So let's try to get deeper. Um, And silence is valuable. Um, Silence alone with the Lord is incredibly valuable. And in a a conversation where we're trying to help someone, if something happens, we ask a question, and it's a big question, and it's uncomfortable for them, it's okay to let them sit with that that discomfort and that silence. It's actually more uncomfortable for us to deal with the silence than for them, most of the time. Um, Therapeutic conversations tend to be more empathetic, um, less judgmental. Um, Eye contact. The eye contact rate increases in a therapeutic conversation, both between the person talking and the person listening. Now, you're not giving them the hard stare where you're, uh-huh, 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 because then you just come off as creepy, and it's even more unnerving than if you're not listening at all. <laughs> but you increase the rate. And, and when, you, when you give your, up someone that undivided attention, they also give it back to you. Um, there's more of a singular focus, that, t- that multi-texting disappears. And the focus is on the person present in the room. I don't really want to talk about your your sister or your mother or your brother or your, your best friend and how they wronged you or what all their problems are. I want to talk about you and what's going on inside you because that's what we have direct access to right now. We can't change them. Um, and, and then while challenging often does happen in a therapy context, it's a gentle challenging. It's a probing so that we actually aren't, hindering or destroying the relationship but enhancing it through that because they trust us they know that we're really there for them and lastly um we we roll with the resistance this was a form that i did last year and there's a lot of push and pull sometimes and we just try to go with it we don't give up on the person we try not to get frustrated with them we try to move past it um i'm actually going to skip over this next slide just because i don't want to take up too much time but um this is stages of change so wherever you find yourself in a given situation or in a given problem, you have people who are on different readiness to do something. Um, but I won't talk about it because really we can, we can do what we need to do today without it. Um, so again, the basic goals of a helping conversation, to allow for elaboration, first of all, to allow for self-exploration and introspection, and to foster intrinsic versus extrinsic change. And what I mean by that is for the person to be able to decide for themselves... Internally, what their motivations are for changing what's going on in their lives, problem solving for themselves, and determining internally the decision to stick to that course. As opposed to saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, and do this, and they conform to it, but it's all an extrinsic, external change that really doesn't have roots and doesn't tend to stick. So when we're talking about a helping conversation, that's usually what we're trying to go for. So we talked about... um, uh, 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 Brother Mike, you were talking about how sitting next to your wife and trying to have a conversation was difficult, right? Um, I, I need two volunteers. Someone, someone come, up, come on up here. Dad, you'll be a volunteer. Um, Brother Joe, would you be willing? Thank you. Okay. So when you're, when you're setting the scene, <laughs> notice, what they, notice what just happened, though. They pulled the chairs back. They pulled the chairs back. Why? Why? This is too close. Yeah, so go back to a comfortable distance. What's comfortable for you? Okay, apparently you don't know Joe very well. No, I'm I'm kidding. The first thing, no, you can, you're not that comfortable with each other. The, The first thing is to really set up and get into an environment where you can sit at a comfortable distance from each other. But first, but another thing, to be able to face each other. Now, facing each other square on like this, how does that feel? A little awkward? How does, it, how does it feel if we angle the chairs this way? <laughs> a little better? What this does is, is, it, is it allows them to have full access to each other. They can turn towards each other. But if something sensitive is coming up and they're not ready to, and it's uncomfortable for them to be facing directly, they can angle away without it actually looking or feeling like they're rejecting each other. So when you're trying to set up a helping environment and, a, and, and trying to get into that situation, take that into consideration but there's this acronym that they teach us uh, that's basically... You guys can go back to your seats. Thank you. Um, well, actually, no. Get back in your chairs. <laughs> Sorry. I can be capricious at times. I apologize. Um, these are the things that, that are the basic guidelines for, uh, for the behavioral approach. It's called SOLAR. So first, facing the person squarely. And by squarely, that's, that's what we've got right there going on. So second of all, adopt an open posture. What would an open posture look like? Go ahead, what, however you feel. Okay? Okay, relaxed is fine. Relax. is fine. But interestingly, notice what the legs are doing to each other. They're putting up a barrier. Okay? And I'm not saying that every time you... Yeah, I'm not saying that every time you go and you counsel someone, you stand there like this, and you approach them. But be mindful, but be mindful of how you're sitting with them If you want to mirror their posture, that's fine. They're probably going to have their legs crossed. They're probably going to have their arms crossed because they are feeling closed off from you. And what you want to communicate to them with an open posture, however you determine it to be, that I am open to you right now, regardless of how you're feeling. Secondly, lean towards the person at times. So this is another reason why it's important. Yeah, again, that space. This is another reason why it's important to make sure you have the appropriate space between each other. Okay. Um, because because when you lean towards a person you're communicating I'm interested I want to hear what's going on right now and you can be strategic or you can kind of let it happen naturally but you want to be careful that, you're, that as you're hearing what the person is saying especially if it's something that might be distasteful or might be off-putting that you're not finding yourself turning away from them or putting up your defenses or, or, or um, leaning away from them maintain good eye contact without staring so You guys, I I won't make you do that. Don't worry. Um, And then lastly, you can go back to your seats. Thank you. Um, Remain relaxed as you interact with the person. As I said, we are going to be listening to potentially very distressing information. We're going to be dealing with someone who is concerned that their life is going to heck in a handbasket and that they are a hopeless case. Your job as the helper is to help them to find a sense of hope right now. That's a big job. And if you're and if you're getting all tense and if you, and, and you're acting like oh my goodness I I can't handle this right now what message is that sending to them? So that it's hopeless exactly and I can't trust this person with this information. So we, we in in the field we talk about it as metahead where you maintain a, hmm okay yeah like I have a counselor face that I put on. But it's, you know, I may have a furrowed brow to show that I'm concerned, and I'll be, you know, mm-hmm. Inside, I might be going, oh, my goodness, this person's a mess. I can't handle You know. But they don't need to see that. They don't need to see that. So um, other things that, that are helpful are micro-attending skills. So back-channeling. A lot of these things we actually do in a normal conversation. You guys have been doing it throughout this entire presentation so far, actually. Back-channeling So it is what it's called. So nodding. Why do we nod? Not to agree, to show that we're there. Have you ever had a conversation with someone where you're actually having a disagreement, but it's a cordial disagreement, and they'll, you know, and then they'll say, as soon as it's your turn to stop talking, they'll go, yeah, but we, we back-channel. We, we provide eye contact, and we, and we nod, and we say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and, and that eye contact, to convey that, yes, I am following you, yes, I am here with you, and and if you're talking to them, you should be getting these things from them also. If you're not getting these things, it's a sign that something is going on with them that says that they're uncomfortable right now, they're either uncomfortable with you, or something's happening in the relationship that could possibly have them not coming back. We call it stonewalling, and it's literally where you're talking to me, you're telling me something I don't want to hear, and I'm... If you're a parent, you've probably gotten this before... And you say, so what do you think? That's stonewalling, okay? Be careful that you don't do it too, but be, be on the lookout for it because you can say, I, I notice that something's going on right now. You look uncomfortable. You need to be attentive to the body language. What's going on inside? You know, and they might stonewall you some more, but if you're persistent, you can usually get some things uh, out of them. So, what we're going to be learning today, those are are kind of the general guidelines. What we're going to be learning today is actually ORS. And it's called ORS because it helps you to get to where you're going. Okay? Um, It's it's four basic, fundamental communication skills that are used across all kinds of counseling. Um, it, It was actually designed for resolving ambivalence, so when people aren't sure what to do, and they're not sure if they want to commit to something... Uh, ORS was, was developed to help uh, recovering alcoholics to figure out whether or not they actually wanted to continue with rehab. And it's one of the first things that actually figured out that, that or helped to produce any real change because the 12 steps is fraught with, with, um, oh, people not sticking to it. Anyways, it's very, it's very gentle, it's very non-confrontational, and it's structured into any kind of other therapy you'll ever see so in terms of if you're going to have, uh, engage in a helping relationship, if you can implement these four things, no matter what your personal approach is, these will help you to get to where you want to go with the person. So O stands for open-ended questions. And if you're a teacher, you're familiar with this. But I'll go into more, uh, more of them in depth. We'll take them one at a time. Um, the other is uh, affirmation. Reflective listening. And lastly, summarizing. Four basic things, and they can achieve incredible results. So, open ended questions. Who wants to take a stab at what an open ended question is? Yes? Okay, you cannot respond with yes or no. There has to be some kind of elaboration. Great. Yes? Yeah, Jesus always answered a question, almost always answered a question with a question, or a parable. We call that Socratic questioning, and that's the humanistic influences on the field. But yeah, when you answer a question with a question, or you continue to ask questions, what, but what was the purpose of that? Um, to like, I don't know, get where they are like to open them up more, like, versus question itself, more like for them. Yes, to open them up more. That's really the essence of, a, of an open-ended question. You're trying to gather broad, descriptive information. Um, it's helping you to facilitate a dialogue with the person that otherwise wouldn't be there. And, and like you said, it can't be answered with a simple yes or no. Um, it'll often start with words like, how, what, tell me about, or, or, or describe for me. Um, and open-ended questions usually go from general to specific. So, tell me about what happened. Okay, well, this and this and this happened. Well, what were you thinking while this was going on? Well, I was thinking this and this and this. What did that remind you of? Well, it reminded me of this. And and it funnels down to usually some kind of core issue or something like that. Um, But it also conveys that the agenda is about the other person. If I'm asking you an open-ended question, it's saying, I'm interested in understanding what's going on with you. Tell me about... fill in the blank. So you might ask... Well, what's wrong with a direct or a closed-ended question? Nothing. Really. Absolutely nothing. But what's the goal of an, op- of an open-ended question? And my transition put one of the points up there, but... Or, or sorry, a closed-ended question. I'm through the... Sorry. What is, what is the goal of a yes or no or a closed-ended question? Okay, it doesn't facilitate communication. yes commitment will get will is is good for yes or no so that's that's the agreement or disputation yeah yes yes no yes no yes no it's great for research horrible for therapy okay it's good for agreement and disputation but it it can be used in a domineering way so have you ever had uh, a salesperson come to your house probably maybe not it doesn't happen very often but maybe you've experienced a person coming to your house and they say, oh, I'd like to sell you some storm shutters today, because we live in Florida, obviously. Um, well, no, no, I'm not really interested in, in, in storm shutters. Well, you, you know, you don't want your house to be destroyed, do you? Well, no. You don't want your insurance company to think that you're negligent, do you? Well, no. Well, then you probably want some kind of a protection. Like, you'd want to protect your house if you could, right? Well, yeah. Then you probably want some storm shutters. And then suddenly you're signing a bill for $15,000 and you don't know how it happens. I don't own a house, so that didn't happen to me. But, and it didn't happen to my parents either. But, um, you know, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a domineering strategy. It's a controlling strategy. And it's a way of getting a person to agree to something that they didn't really want to agree with in the beginning. And you might implement this strategy with someone, and you think, well, we are doing great. We are going so far together, and we're getting so much done. When in reality, they're just giving you yes-no answers, and you don't know what's going on on the inside. Um, and, again, and, it allows um, more easily, oh, I already said, that for them to tell you what you want to hear or what they think you want to hear. So if, if, you're, going to, um, if, if you're going to use this, that's fine because, I mean, yes-no questions come up all the time. But understand that it does absolutely nothing to widen the discourse. So if you're going to ask a yes-no question, be sure you follow it up with an open-ended question. So that way you can say, okay, yes, well, tell me more about that or something like that. Um, and again, you end up doing most of the talking, which is what, not what we're there for. So, now we're going to practice open-ended questions. I'm hoping this will be a little bit easy, but what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to role play. So, I'm now John. Um, I got so mad at my mom last night. She kept nagging at me and asking me why I don't spend more time with the family, and she kept going on and on and on, and I, and I just kept getting more and more angry, and, and, I, and I, I told her to get off my case, and I started screaming at her, and I... And, and I called her something and then I I ran out and slammed the door in her face. Oh, I I need a batina. (laughs) Okay, so things to consider. What kinds of questions would help me, John, to open up more about this experience and fill in some of the missing details? Ask me questions. I'm John right now. Okay. (sighs) Made me feel infuriated. I mean, it's, it's so... It's so demeaning to to constantly have her nagging at me all the time. Why would you do that? Why would she do that? I d I don't even know. I mean she says that she doesn't see me enough. But you know, I'm there at least twice a week. I mean I know I, I haven't been around much since I started college, but I mean come on. Sorry? No, this is a good this is a good question. And I won't say what it was because it was a curse word. But... So I'll just say, I, I called her a curse word. <sighs> I don't know. That was a closed-ended question. Open-ended questions. Uh, she, she said, um, uh, what did you call her, first of all? And, and then, um, what, was the, what was the... Yeah, did you really feel that way? And I said, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was furious. I felt out of control. Um, That's a yes, no question. I'm not sure, but I think it has something to do with just kind of wanting to get back at her for how she was making me feel. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. How do you think she feels about the situation? Not, probably not great. I mean, we haven't talked since then and it's been a week. Okay, tell me about the interactions you have had with her the week before this conversation. It's a great open-ended question. I'm not going to answer it because then all of a sudden we're going into a therapy session. But, <laughs> but, do, you, but do you see how, how if you start off with this one set of information and there are all kinds of questions but how we're gradually getting deeper and deeper and deeper and you're learning more about John's emotional state right now. You know, um, you know, what kinds of things are you curious about in his story? Um, what questions would help to deepen the conversation and take it beyond this one experience? And questions like, tell me about what's happened in the past. Uh, uh, tell me about what do you think she's been experiencing? What do you think it's been like for her? Um, why, why, why that word? Why did you call her that? All these things opening up cans and cans and cans of worms. Um, how is your own feeling about John? And, the story, and, and and his story affecting your own feelings about him. We know how old he feels. He's bad. He's a bad boy. Yeah, should have, been, should have been spanked more when he was a child. No, sorry, I don't mean to embarrass you. Yeah, I, I do. Because, because, honestly, when I was writing this up, I was like, this kid is a sleaze, man. You, you, know, you don't talk to your mom that way. It's disrespectful. It goes against God's commandments, doesn't it? I mean, not just disrespecting your parents, but also the use of moderate speech. I mean, to, to, to call anyone a curse word is, is not in accordance with, with God's word. And, but, but to your parent, no less. So when you heard this, did it bring up strong feelings for you? Yeah, you have been stoned. That would have been a good question for John, actually. Uh, had you taken anything before you went over to the house? I'm not kidding! Exactly. I'm not kidding because those things happen. It appears to me that there's a problem with the relationship between the two. That something must have happened, and maybe it's something that's been for a long time, or you are know, really having an issue. They really need to find out what they that that want to work on. Okay, so tell me about how that made you feel. Young, he's not even two yet, but uh, how I need to foster a good relationship with him and involve, uh, make God more active in my family and my speech. Okay. So that way he will um, be able to um, recognize these things as God says that we should respect our parents. And so, so, build relationships with them now. So, so you find yourself empathizing more with the mom in this story. Is, is that fair to say? Perhaps. Okay, perhaps. I, I, I get where you're going and I absolutely agree, but I want to focus on what your emotional experience. Did it make you feel angry? Did it make you feel uncomfortable? What did it make you feel? When I heard some of that, I worked in middle school. I worked with kids that are struggling. That is a very common thing. And often, what they're saying is they're saying back. They heard it. They've been called those names already, and they're striking back. Yeah. And a lot of times, we you know we've been called names, and it's like, whoa, what did I do? Yeah. And you didn't do anything. I'm just mad. And you, and you may have picked that up in John's narrative when he said I felt like maybe I was trying to level the playing field a little bit. Yeah. So 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 you, it sounds like you actually felt some empathy for him. In terms of, like, I, I think I understand what might be going on, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. One more, and then we'll move on. It seems like to me that he, he's bitter inside that there's something deeper that's causing him to be this way. Okay. Um, his relationship with his mother may have been good in the past, and other things coming into his life had caused him to be bitter. Therefore, he's not around his family as much, he doesn't want to be around his family as much, and that causes bitterness inside of him. When you really empathized with him. You kind of got inside his head a little bit. That's good. And I just gave you a judgment, so I apologize for the judgment. But but and 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 a lot of you did that. You're going to empathize with someone. You're going to you're going to either empathize with with John, you're going to empathize with his mom, or you're going to kind of empathize with yourself as like, wow, this is really hard to hear right now. But the purpose of the open-ended question is for you to kind of try to get inside his head, figure out what's going on and really connect with him. Not in a way to say that, that, you know, yes, this was totally understandable. If I was in your shoes, I would have called your mom the same thing and maybe a few others. No, that's not what we're going for. But if a person feels understood, if a person feels heard, they're more likely, gonna, they're more likely they are more likely to open themselves up to change. And you can ask those questions to get to that information that allows them to feel valued and empathized with, but also not like you're necessarily agreeing with them. Um, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I know there are hands up, but i got to move on because we've only got another 45 minutes. Um, Affirmation. Affirmation has to be done sincerely. Um, It's basically a phrase or a statement that that promotes or supports um, that person's self-efficacy. So what are they doing right? Um, it, It acknowledges the difficulties experienced just the, normalizing it when, when you talked about the middle schoolers you said this is something you hear all the time that, if you had said that to me as John that would be an affirming statement because you don't want the person to feel like they're so bizarre and they're so, so abnormal and they're so broken and, and just awful that there's no way they could recover from this you can say well other people struggle with this too Whoa, if other people struggle with this too then maybe there's a chance that I can overcome this as well Age gap? Okay, well... And, and you, can, you, can, you can suggest that, too, like, as, as an affirmation. Um, it validates the person's experiences and feelings of, wow, that, so- that sounds pretty tough for you. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're really experiencing a lot of guilt right now or something like that. Um, a- additionally, as you work with the person, you can't really do it with John because you just met him a few minutes ago, but it emphasizes the past experiences that demonstrate se- strength and success to prevent discouragement. So let's say John has really been trying to work on his relationship with mom for a while. And this was uh, a blip on the screen. He was doing well, this incident came up, healed her and now he feels like he has just undone everything that he has worked so hard for. Well, you could beat him over the head with it, but he's probably doing that enough for himself. If you want to be encouraging, you can identify. Well, remember last week when you said that she, was, um, she called you five times in one day and you were really tempted to, to send her a really nasty text, and you didn't, you're making progress. Yeah, this isn't great. Yeah, th- you're, you're really frustrated right now. But you, you've overcome this in the past. We can, we can work through this, too. Um, sorry. Um, identifies, identifying positive behaviors, strengths and normalization of their struggles. I've already talked about that. Um, so when we think about judgment Because an affirmation is essentially saying I get where you are right now I hear you Normalizing things like that the, What are the dangers of, of passing a judgment like Oh, that was really bad Yeah, that was You oh, shouldn't have done that Clearly, John has behaved in a way That elicits some negative emotions It may feel difficult to affirm him It may feel like there's really not a lot to affirm right now um, And what's wrong with identifying the things that John may have said or done as bad or wrong or disrespectful or etc.? Well, first of all, it may make him defensive. Clearly, John has trouble identifying or relating to authority figures to begin with. If you set yourself up as an authority figure, you're going to be pushing him away already. Um, He may already be self-condemning. He doesn't need the help. Um, It also puts us as the authority figure or the judge. God is the judge. And God is already interacting in John's life to tell him what God thinks about that by, by John's conscience right now. If we say that we, if, if we're the one that's casting the judgments on him, we, and, and even if it's a positive judgment, great job, what you did was fantastic, do that again. Basically, you're saying, okay, you're doing good because you're conforming with what my expectations are. And in spiritual counseling, our expectations are not valid. God's expectations are. And if we're going to comment and we're going to affirm, let's focus on God's expectations and how he's living up to those. Um, and, And lastly, if John can determine the nature of his actions for himself, if he can determine, yeah, that was a bad move, yeah, I really regret doing that, that was horrible, it's an intrinsic recognition, it's an internal recognition, and it's more likely to take root and foster change. So, let's practice affirmation. All right, continue this conversation. Take into consideration, you know, what could you make to help them feel better, that you understand. Um, try to find some strengths or positive behaviors. Okay, it, it's good that you wanted to come forward to work with this. It's a judgment, but, but it's an affirmation. Yeah, it's good that. But that's, but, but it's a good start, good start. Thank you for, for, for getting us off, off the bat. This is probably the toughest one to do, I'll be honest at least with this situation. What could you say that might normalize the situation? What if wrong to ask, do you think other people have the same sort of problem with mother? Mm. Uh, Maybe specifically. Yeah. But even, you know That's a that's a great affirmation. Because it's all it, it's a probing question. It gets John to think, well yeah, I mean but other kids don't don't call their mom a curse word and they don't they don't slam the door in her face. You just gotta throw out anything that, that you've got Okay, so a lot of people go through this But the fact that you're here shows that you're willing to make a commitment to Having a better relationship with your mom Go ahead Okay Okay, so I think it's good that you left before things got physical. Um, you, you left once you recognized that the, that the curse word happened. Uh, that's still a judgment. So how could, how could we rephrase that into being an affirmation as opposed to a judgment? How could you phrase it to take the, the judgment of it's good that out of it? Yeah, you left before it got physical. You know, you don't, you don't necessarily have to prime it. You could, just, you could just say, well, you left before it got physical. Oh, I guess you're right. So, so just really quick. That, it, it's, tough, it's tough with this kind of a person in this kind of a situation. With, with someone like John, it's a bit of a silver linings venture. You know, it, there's a whew, storm on the horizon, okay? There's not much that he did that was good. But, as you identified, leaving and walking out before it got physical was a good thing. Because if John has a major aggression issue and he can't keep control of his temper, this could have escalated into something really bad. Or worse, if mom has a, a, a temper problem and mom's prone to getting physical, as she may have in the past, this could have gotten really ugly, And then 911 gets called and all kinds of things happen. So reflective listening. This is probably my favorite letter in the acronym um, because it's one of the most valuable tools that you can use in talking to a person. And you guys have actually thrown some out already without realizing it. Um, But reflective listening, um, and and essentially it's called making a reflection, um, requires an interest in what the person has to say. It conveys a a desire to truly understand their point of view. You're basically putting out a hypothesis about what happened with them. And, and when you use a reflection, you garner instant empathy. Because if, because if you're following them, if you're tracking them, if you're understanding what's going on, you make this reflection and it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I was feeling or that's exactly what happened. You get me. No one else understands. Everyone's telling me what I'm doing wrong, but you get it. Um, like I said, it's hypothesis testing. This is what I think you're feeling uh, or, or meaning or experiencing right now. So there are different kinds of reflections, and I'll, I'll go through each of them. Um, first is, is repeating. So if you've ever seen the Sigmund Freud jokes where the person's laying on the couch, and like, I just feel so stressed. So you're telling me you feel very stressed right now. Yeah, it's really bothering me. Yeah, and it really bothers you. Yes, I just told you that. How does that make you feel? Bothered! You know, so sometimes... That, that is good, though, just for them to hear what they just said because people can steamroll and they're going through a narrative and they're not even realizing what they're saying. And if you just say back to them what they said, they're, whoa, wait a second, I can't believe I just said that. That is rephrasing, substituting synonyms. So, you know, um, you know it just drives me nuts when my mom texts me five times in a half an hour. I'm in class, I can't get to the phone right now, and, and it's just, I don't know what to do. Oh, well... You know, it sounds like it really bothers you when your mom is, is, you know, frequently getting to you and you can't, you can't respond right away. Yeah, exactly. Reflecting feeling, pulling out the emotion from the narrative. So, my mom and I have a great relationship, don't worry, I've never cursed at her, I've never slammed the door in her face. John is, it could, could be anyone. Sorry, I saw her getting a little comfortable back there. Um. Uh, reflecting the feeling. So what, what, while John's talking about this, he's, he's talking about, about how infuriating his mom made him, um, but at the same time, here present in the moment, there might have been a little flash of anger here and there, but what was John really demonstrating more than anger? Remorse. Remorse guilt. Oh, you're looking... You feel really guilty right now. Yeah, I, 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 I feel horrible. So reflecting the emotion... And then a complex reflection. And, and this is, it's a little hard to describe, but this is basically where you're inferring meaning from the content. So someone's giving you, so, so someone's giving you um, this narrative. John's talking about how mom's been getting after him, and he just can't stand it. So I get the sense that it really bothers you when people try to control your life. That's, that is a complex Reflection, Because you're taking a jump. He's, he's talking about the situation with mom and how infuriating it was. And you're, and you're going from, from there to generalizing and saying, I think this is what's going on overall, that this is a theme with you. Um, so the basic structure of how to make a reflection. If there's a tentifier, there's a feeling, and there's a source. And sorry, that's really hard to read. But it sounds like you, so that's the tentifier. It sounds like you feel guilty about yelling at your mom. A plus B plus C, boom, you have a reflection. If you can follow that kind of a structure, you are good on on reflections every time. Attentifier is a statement that avoids introducing any opinion, uh, any advice, or any personal experience. What you're basically saying is, I could be wrong right now, but this is what I think is going on with you. And if you're right, you get empathy, you get understanding, you get elaboration. If you're wrong, you still get elaboration because you say... Well, it, sound, you know, it sound, sounds like you were really scared. No, I wasn't scared. I was, I was angry because she was controlling me and she's always trying to control my life and my choices. But, but by saying it sounds like, or I get the sense that, you're saying I'm not the authority on your life right now. I'm just telling you what I think is going on or what the sense is that I'm getting right now based on what you're saying. So you can use any one of these statements. I hear you saying, it sounds like, um, I get the sense that, could it be that um, I, I'm picking up that you know this is the case, or correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I can't help but notice. And usually use the longer tentifiers for the more dangerous reflections. <laughs> the more the tentifier, the safer you are. Um, so so let's let's practice um, reflections with John. Um, first of all, let's start off with some surface um, surface level reflections. So just some basic reflections for him, and then try to go into some more complex ones about his narrative. And um, because a lot of times the simple reflections will lead to more complex ones. They'll allow you to go deeper. Um, and, and you can steer the conversation with your reflections. You can actually have an entire conversation with someone that is completely reflections. Think about that. You're not putting yourself into that conversation at all, and then you can have an entire conversation. Because half the time, people don't notice that you're doing it. I, I left the house, and, and I, I, I went... I went for a drive, I drove around the block, and then I just went back to my dorm, and I just, I just went to bed. I mean, it was 6 o'clock and I went to bed. I, I just didn't even know what to do. Went to bed at 6 o'clock? <laughs> okay, that's more I'm of a sorry. statement of incredulity. I'm in college now. <laughs> <laughs> sleep, is, sleep is a precious commodity. Who wants to try it? Remember, a tenifier. sounds like... I get the sense that an emotion... Or or uh, or something like that, and, and then a source. I get the sense that oh, go ahead. go ahead. I get the sense that perhaps your college uh, pressure and mothers that you may not be aware of uh, might be causing uh, the eruption into anger or something. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. I mean, I guess it's possible. I mean, it, it's finals week right now. I I haven't slept in like three days. Um, I, I've been running on on caffeine and coffee and Red Bull just to just to try to stay alive right now. I mean, I, I guess it's possible. But is it, I'm asking you the question now. Is that helpful at all, or would you be offering him excuses? No, because because what that does is it offers it, it, it's a little bit of normalizing as well as as um, a probing too. So. Um, because by asking, you know, could, I get the sense that possibly, maybe, could it be that something's going on in college that is maybe contributing to this? You're saying, um, I get the sense that there's more to this story than you're telling me right now. And I gave that to you. Yeah. Um, there, there were some other. Did you? Well, I was, was going to start with. You. It sounds like you're kind of frustrated with, with your relationship. Yeah, I'm. I'm so frustrated. I mean, I, I love my mom. She's she's my mom. She raised me. I don't. I don't want to blow up at her but I just feel so helpless. It's like I can't control myself when I'm around her because she just knows exactly what to say to set me off. But it also sounds like there might be some other things beside mom. What What do you you mean adding adding to to your agitation? Oh, you mean like college? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Are you saying that I don't engage in a healthy lifestyle? Are you saying I should be doing things differently? Wow, how to shoot down your dad. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I do it with you because I love you and I know I can. But 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 do you see do you see how that that, that could make that could actually be defensive? So but, so, but is so, that, isn't that a legitimate question to ask? It is a legitimate question, but it's better it's better to, to get John to go there than so so Opa made the reflection of, you know, I get the sense that maybe there are other things going on, and I talked about um, you know, staying up late and drinking Red Bull. What could what could you do to comment on staying up late and drinking Red Bull for twenty four hours that might get me to confirm that that might not be the best thing? How does staying up all night drinking Red Bull typically? Okay, so that's an open ended question. Remember, we are having a conversation of purely reflections. It's okay. No, 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 no. This is good. This is good. Becky, you had had your hand up. No, I was just wondering if you could do this with all have a relationship with the person because, I don't know, i just going really bad. You know what I mean? All, so- all helping conversations should have reflections. A, a, a reflection is vital for communicating empathy. And it's vital for communicating that you understand what's going on. So, okay, so I said... Yes, what go ahead. It, do you think maybe there was something else that happened in the last day or two or something that you did that might have contributed to how this event turned okay. out. That's great that's a great open-ended question. But remember, we're doing reflections. So, so it sounds so it sounds like so okay, so I'll I'll ref- I'll reflect on on my comment about staying up late and drinking Red Bull. So it sounds like you're feeling kind of strung out right now. Would wouldn't it be appropriate to tell people then that staying up for 3 nights um, can think one I'm strung <laughs> <and laughs> Red Bull, etc. I mean, that's medical that's, that's but that's something that you can you want to get to after John acknowledges that this isn't working for him. So, but but I, he hadn't gotten me to say that that's not working for me. So so yeah, go ahead. That's that's valid. Well, I mean, only only at finals, only at finals. Sure, I'm sorry. Sure. Sorry. I, and, and, and please uh, forgive me if it sounds like I'm coming after you all. This, this is, it's a tough thing to master, but it's one of the most important aspects. Yes. So what a question. So it, it sounds like you've been having the problem for a while now. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I just I haven't been able to feel like I'm on I'm on top of stuff lately. Uh, it sounds like you wish you could deal with the situation better? I do. I, I really do. You know, I, I know that this isn't working for me right now. I mean, that's why I'm here. I, I, I want help right now with, with my relationship with my mom. Um, you know, and, and even you know, I, I know it's probably not the best thing to stay up for three nights straight. And that's where Barb, you could jump in with, "Yeah, it'll make you crazy." I said, well, I didn't know it would make me crazy. I mean, I guess maybe that had something to do with maybe that. Contri- I guess that might have contributed to me blowing up at my mom. Oh, um, John is in college. Let's say he's 23, seeking but not converted. Oh, sorry. Uh, go, go ahead. Um, could it be that you're putting on too much responsibility on yourself right now? Um, that, that's a good reflection. That's not an emotion reflection, but, but that's a reflection nonetheless, and, and that's good, because you're saying, I get the sense that you're overloading yourself. So um, yeah, yeah, but it's finals. I mean, everyone is stressed out at fi- finals. If I had the choice, I wouldn't take any tests. There's a hand in, hand in the back. It sounds like you're sorry this happened: I am. I am. I, I, I completely regret this. Yeah. I get the sense that you really don't feel like people are respecting you. Maybe this is happening in graduate installations, but otherwise is that true? for the sake of the recording keep people Okay, so um, I, I get the sense I get the sense that um, you don't like being respected and that this has happened a lot to you. Is, is that in, in general? That's that's the nugget of it. Um Yeah, I I, I don't like it when people try to control me. I mean, I I, I feel choked. Um, And and it's bad enough that I have to conform to all this stuff with with exams and everything that's going on. And I mean, I'm trying to become a Christian. I I, want to do what God wants for my life. But at the same time, I I can't stand it when I feel like people are just making me do everything. And when she comes in and she starts saying that stuff, uh, I, I lose it. Because I'm already being controlled in school, now you're going to control me when I'm at home too. But it sounds like your mother wants to help you. Uh, how is it helpful to try to get me to come over for 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 six hours in the evening when I've got a test the next day? I don't have time to sit and tell her about how stressed I am. I need to study so that I can pass my chem final in the morning. So it sounds like you want to be responsible for your own decisions. I do. I do, but at the same time, I know that, that means that I have to be more in control of myself. It sounds like there is a spiritual battle going on now. There is. I feel so attacked. I feel so, feel so attacked, and I feel like I feel like the devil's been using my mom to do it. Correct me, but Robert, have you spoken with your mom about how this makes you feel and how stressed you are about having to respond to her all the time? Okay. So what you did was you combined a tentifier with an open-ended question, um, and that's okay. You know, um, but, but um, what you could maybe say instead was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the sense that maybe you haven't tried talking about this with your mom before. Um, or I get the sense that maybe you and your mom are at an impasse right now. Um, something like that could, could work. Um, you know, I, I've wanted to, but then when I go over, she starts instantly talking about how I'm not there enough. You know, as if that's going to make me want to come around more. Um, and then when I tell her that I don't appreciate her calling me eight times a day, she plays the martyr and she's like, "Oh, I'm all sorry. I'm a terrible parent, and blah blah blah." And what am I supposed to do with that? One more, and then we'll move on. I, think you're feeling, uh, that you're I, I get the feeling you're being manipulated by guilt. I get the feeling you're being manipulated by guilt. Feel manipulated by guilt, and maybe this plays into you think church is manipulated by guilt too. I would I would break that up into two. So, so get John to acknowledge, first of all, that, yeah, he is being manipulated by guilt and he doesn't like that. We'll say he doesn't. And then you can say it's, yeah, that thing about the church. John hasn't talked about how he doesn't like conforming to the church yet, though. So be careful with that, because you don't want to put him off. So you could, you could say maybe, you said, it sounds like maybe that's something that could be a concern for you in becoming a Christian, too. Because um, you don't want to say the church is manipulating through guilt, because then you're almost suggesting to John that that's what the church does. But, but great job, Really? Um, this is, this is the hardest thing, but again, practice this. When you have conversations over dinner, just try making reflections. Um, really, you're just talking, yeah, you know, my, 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 my son went and gave some, you know, gave some girl a wet willy during Sunday school, and I don't even know what to do with this. I mean, I was so frustrated. Wow, sounds like it was a really overwhelming situation for you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who, like, I never told my son he could do, just, Practice it. Try it out. The more, the more you can practice these things, the more natural it will feel so that when you're actually in the conversation, it just flows. And not only... You'll actually find that you use reflections more than, more than open-ended questions a lot of the times because they start providing the narrative and they start filling in all the gaps. So the last thing is summarizing. Um, summarizing is exactly what it sounds like. You're, re- you're reinforcing what's been said you're demonstrating that, that you've been listening carefully, and, and you've been hearing all these different bits and pieces, but you but you see the big picture. And a lot of times, uh, the person that you're talking to can't see the big picture. They see the forest for the tree. So John, right, right now, might still be so focused on what happened with mom that he's not really even putting it together that it may be a combination of school and the bad relationship with mom that has kind of created this whole thing so if you can kind of take a step back with the person and say this is what i see is everything that's going on they can be like yeah 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 that that is what's going on the other thing is that once you're ready to move on summarizing is a good way of helping the person to realize okay now it's time to go to the next step in terms of like you like you said brother um about you know how does this relate to your conversion experience right now you know, but you don't want to go to that without first making sure that you have a full understanding of everything that happened with this, with this earlier encounter. Um, and then it can also link together feelings of ambivalence and, and bring to light any discrepancies that there may be. You know, um, and, and ambivalence, I included a slide on this just because I want to clarify it a little bit. Ambivalence is a state of having simultaneous or conflicting feelings about a person or a thing. It's, it's basically a tug-of-war within the self. Over a situation or a decision, there are things that are going to be pulling them towards a certain behavior. So, treating mom nicely, loving her, being honoring towards her, and there's there's going to be uh, a, a a push against that too. That that mom doesn't respect boundaries. Mom does. Mom is a little over enmeshed with me, and we haven't. She hasn't fully allowed me to grow up yet. There and then there's there's going to be pull. That's that and that's going to be. The, the, the push and pull that's going on there, perhaps, some of it. Um, it's, it's easier to do a summarization after you've asked open-ended questions, after you've affirmed, and after you've reflected, because we've pulled out all of this information about John. Um, so ask, when you're, when you're, and when you're summarizing, you want to ask yourself, what is the, what is the main conflict here? What is, what is the yes-but in this narrative? You know, what is what is the nugget? What is what is really at the root of this? Because then, when you're presenting the summary, you can indicate that, so that so that John really goes, yeah, that is what's really going on here. And that's how that's how you know it's time to move on to okay, what's the spiritual principle at work here? How is this impacting your spiritual life? And where can we go from here? Kind of thing. Um, so let's let's uh, practice summarizing. This this is like the, one of the easiest things to do because we do it we do it all the time. So. Um, what's the most basic of summaries? Um, be careful not to insert judgments into the summary because what you are right now is you're painting a picture. You're using descriptors. You can use John's own words and John's own emotions that he's given you, but you dare not put your own stuff in there because all of a sudden, I mean, I turned on Dad real quick. We don't want that to happen again because we've been making good progress right now. So, and, and see if you can, you can identify the struggle uh, in, in dealing with his mom. So anyone, anyone who wants to take a stab at, at, at a summary? So it sounds like you've had a tremendous workload at school. You've had a lot of demands by your mother. Uh, she may or may not have been overreacting to what she sees in your life as a, as a deficit. Um, and when you were with her, you had a chance. There was just a confrontation that was there and that was very uncomfortable. You know that it's wrong. You're telling me that it's wrong. You feel guilty about it. And you might not know where to go. Yeah, absolutely. That was great. That was great. Anyone else want to try one? Well, but we each must forge our own path. And it can it can incorporate things that Brother Joe said. Remember, look, look you know, and, and since this is... A, a, you know, we're having a spiritual conversation try to go to the spiritual level if you want in terms of identifying and, and, and summarizing maybe try to seed the, ref- the, the summary with some of that spiritual stuff so that John even gets a sense of okay that's where we're going next I mean if, if someone wants to try we'll do maybe well, one. the guilt you're feeling is really the Holy Spirit working in your life trying to give you first of all uh, a bit of chastisement that's why you're feeling guilty but also you can build on that and find out what you can do to make sure the next time the uh, temptation arises, uh, you can ward it off at the pass, so to speak. Okay, that's, that's good. But what's missing from it is John's story. So that, that, that's good because you're actually providing a bit of education in there too so that John understands a bit more of what's going on. But remember, we also want to incorporate the elements that, that Brother Joe introduced of you know the struggle that's taking place, the, the sense of the sense of, of frustration and hopelessness that he was experiencing with mom. So we'll do we'll take one more and then and then we'll move on. I mean you don't have to give the whole summary either. If you just want to incorporate a part of the summary, that's fine. So it sounds like you've been really stressed out, and when your mom spoke to you, you felt like she was on your case and she was nagging you, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back and you reacted poorly to, uh, to your um, confrontation with her and you ran out and slammed the door and, and left on a very bad note. Great, great. Pair that, you, you mix all those together and, and if, you can find any variation of that and any of those is good. Um, and, then, and then from there, you, ask, you would ask another open-ended question of, you know, so where do we go from here? What is it that you really want to work on while we're here now? And then you go through the process all over again. And, and next thing you know, John is coming to conclusions. Um, and, he's, and he's putting stuff for himself. I, I don't want to say that, that there aren't times when you, when you want to... Um, I'm actually going to skip to the end before we do the group intervention. But um, in, in, in terms of, of using this, this is a very completely non-directive, non-judgmental strategy for talking to a person. And there's the concern of, well, if we're, not, if we're not putting any of ourselves into it and we're not telling the person anything, then isn't there the, the concern that they're going to come to some kind of a conclusion spiritually that's faulty? That, that's a valid concern. Because, because in, in psychotherapy, yeah, that happens all the time. People go down paths that, that really are not what God wants, but for them, that, that's what works for them. That's what their quote-unquote truth is, if you want to call it that. Um, but, but we have a higher truth that we, that we are called to, and that that person is called to as well. So what I'm suggesting here is that you can use open-ended questions and reflections to steer a person towards the spiritual option. So you might want to talk about, about honoring, honoring your mother and things like that, but a way that you could ask that in an open-ended question would be, well, what, what's your understanding of what the Bible says about your relationship with your mom? What's your what's your understanding about what the Bible talks about in terms of moderation? What you know, and, and, and if they if they don't know, that's fine. Well, why don't we look it up together? You know, or 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 say, okay, well, between now and when we meet next time, why don't we why don't we make that a homework project? Where you know, look this up. Let's look this up, and let's let's try to find out for ourselves what's going on, because we can we know. I mean, we're, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We know the Scriptures. We can tell Him. But is that going to foster an intrinsic change where he discovers for himself what God expects from him? Or is this going to foster some sort of behavioral conformity that may not last in the end? That's the danger in, in giving in to the impulse of just telling John. And John may even just say, just tell me what I need to do. But is that really in John's best interests? So that's, that's why using this can be so valuable to really promote an internal change. Um, okay, so, so now that we've, we've gone over that, um, let's, let's do group practice. I need four volunteers. I'm going to be John again, um, but I need people to keep track of each. We've got, we've got about 10 minutes, so we won't do 15. We'll do 10 minutes. But I need a person to keep track of how many open-ended questions are asked, how many uh, affirmations are offered, how many reflections are given, and how much summarizing takes place. So we'll assign one to each. No. It can, it can be in any order. Right now we are just going to have a helping conversation. Yeah. Open-ended question. Yeah, you could do you could do open-ended question, open-ended question, reflection, 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 mm-hmm. uh, affirmation, open-ended question, summary. There's it, it's not a strict order. They're just presented in that way. Yeah. So, I need someone to keep track of open-ended questions. And you don't have to write them down, just Check marks. Okay, Brother Sasha, thank you. Who wants to keep track of affirmations? Dad. Okay, thank you. Reflections. Who wants to take that? Thank you, Sister Becky. And and lastly, summaries. Um, Brother Edmund, would you be willing? Okay, thank you. Great. Let's go. This is fun. Okay, so let's just have a conversation. Anyone who wants to engage, anyone who wants to participate, throw it out. We're not going to censor it. We're not going to we're not going to interrupt the conversation. I'm just going to keep track. So no raising hands. Just go for it. Need to? I mean, define need to. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, I I guess, I need. Question, question, question. Before we go any further, are we starting at square one with? No, we're continuing the conversation. We're We're just continuing. Try to get more information. Try to, you know, we're just, we're focusing on on this, this situation. Oh, I hear, I hear of what a a failure I am as her son. I hear how I'm not, I'm not being what I'm supposed to be. But I I also hear that I'll never be good enough for her. Has she actually said those things to you that make you think that? I mean, in so many words, I mean, never, I mean, no mother would say that. So what gives you that impression? It's it's her it's her tone. It's the way she says it. It's 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 you know it's it's those like those little comments of like oh hey stranger you know I'm your son I'm not a stranger. You know there's nothing there's nothing harder than coming home wanting to see your family and be supported by them and then be called a stranger. Just throw it out throw it out. How has the relationship with your mother been in the past? Oh uh, well I mean. Not great. I mean, when I, when, I mean growing up, it, it was always like, it had to be her way or the highway. And it was like, nothing I ever said or did was like, it was, that it was good enough. You know? Um, I, I mean, I remember like, I would, I would bring her, her stuff home. Like, I would draw something in school for her. And like, she, like this is an elementary school, like, like basic stuff. And she would like point out how I didn't color in the lines. That's a valid question. Don't laugh at it. It's good. I mean, when I was little, I didn't really know what to think of it, but now I just feel like it like throws extra wood onto the fire. So I get the feeling that you feel the relationship is more about her and not so much about you. It's completely one-sided. I mean, and and that's not to say that she doesn't do things for me. It's not to say that she's not she's not there for me. I mean, I remember this one time. Uh, it was, like, last year, around finals. I was, like, uh, again, I hadn't slept for a few days. I was going bonkers. I was, I was stressed to the max. And, like, I, I um, a friend, my friend was, my roommate was in the dorm, and he was being loud because he was playing on his Xbox, and I just needed to get away to study. And, I mean, she actually, like, cleared out the den and let me work in the den for a few hours, and then she brought me cookies. So no, I mean, that was nice. It's not like she doesn't do stuff for me. But it's just that, like, nothing I ever do is good enough. And that's what drives me nuts. I don't see that you really are trying to please her, and you want to have a good relationship with her. I do. I do. You know, but, but at the same time, it's like, a relationship has to be two ways. You can, you can do everything in your power, but then... I mean, if, if she's going to be crazy like that, I mean, how am I supposed to react? It seems that you're really bothered by the way your mother reacts to what you do. How would you rather that your mother approach you if she would like to tell you something? That's good. That's good. Um, uh, Because what what Sister Judy is actually doing is she's providing direction without actually saying this is where we're going to go. What do you really want? Let's set some goals. That's great. I mean, I I, I would like... <clears throat> I would like to be able to come home and have her just be happy to see me without constantly being reminded of how often I'm not there. I would like to be able to have a relationship with her where I can just tell her what's going on and not feel guilty about it. Do you think she'd be open to conversation? Maybe. But she's just so... Ugh, that, like... The moment you try to start talking about that, she just, she, again, she goes into, like, that, that like, I'm the worst parent in the world thing, you know? And, and, and it's, like, it, it, it's, like, then, then I'm, like, comforting her and telling her what a great mom she is. <laughs> so that she doesn't feel bad. When in reality, she's acting like a terrible mom. But I don't want to tell her that. And you think she's going through her own problems while you're the way I hope? I mean, who doesn't have problems? you feel that <laughs> your mother's expectations are very you I do I do and it's not that it's not that I, I wouldn't be willing to make concessions it's not that it's not that, that I wouldn't be willing to do things to try to make it better but I, I'd like to know that what I'm doing is good like that is good. That when I that when I do try to show up and I and I do try to be there for her, that it actually, you know, that, that 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 it's actually appreciated. But I mean, at the same time, I, I know that like my behavior was still not acceptable, and I'd like to be able to control myself too, like because I know that that this process that I'm in and this journey that I'm on spiritually, this has to be about me and God, right? So I know that part of this too is like even if she can't give me what I want. I have to be able to stay calm too and that's you know how do I do that you know because I'm not sure that I can ever get that from my mom tell me a little bit about how you prayed about this situation Uh, not not a lot Um, I mean and, and you know I'll be honest like when I when I do pray about it it's more of like Dear God, please get her off my back. Um, I mean, I, I should I, 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 should take time to pray more. The problem is that I feel like I don't have the time a lot of the times. I, I just feel like I'm running around so much and I have so much on my plate that like, even, even though I know I should be praying or I even probably want to be praying if I were to think about it, it's like I, I don't think to find the time for it or I feel like I don't have the time for it. So it sounds like um, you're, you, you think your mom has some control issues and that you're just having a hard time dealing with those. Like any kid, would. you think you're older and you should have is independence, but do you think there's a, a reason that your mom feels that way? Is there a reason that um, she wants to hold you close? Like has something happened in the past? I'm sorry, could you ask that again? <laughs> <laughs> One more. Is there any part of you that might be feeling it? Maybe there's a, a bit of guilt over some waste of time that you think it could have been getting her a little bit more from that? Um, Maybe it's not something. Okay. All right. We'll we'll, we'll wrap up with that. Now, there were some landmines there. Um, One one of the things I'll comment on was that, firstly, there was a lot of focus on mom, Um, not not as much focus on me. Um, That's part of the casual conversation trap that we get that we into. Yeah, mom's not great. Mom's got her own issues. But this is about this is about me right now and figuring out what I need to do to get my life together. So, I mean, it's good. I, I think you guys did a great job of getting to the root of John's relationship with his mom. But it's better to try to look at, okay, so, so what your reaction to this, your role in this. And, and I can see, like, you, know, you guys are trying to get there, but you've got to be careful that you're not posing it, an implicit judgment in that reflection. But, but overall, great job. And, and, and I did want to highlight the, the, the question about my prayer life. Those are the kinds of open-ended questions that, that were an opportunity to take the, the conversation completely down that spiritual path and talk about, okay, John, well, you know, what, what could we be doing differently right now that might be helpful? You know, does John want to try to make things right with his mom? Does John want to learn some anger management techniques? Does John want to work on his prayer life? You know, how has, how has his schoolwork right now been, been, been uh, affecting his Bible reading? Um, Or or even his ability to overcome temptation Because the more stressed you are The the less able you are to um, resist impulses So that You want to be mindful Of where am I taking this conversation right now Where am I trying to go right now And it's tough because you have a crowd of people But let's get get the tally So how many open-ended questions did we have? Ten at least least, Probably more Um, Affirmations How many did we get? Okay, one and there was one that was kind of both a reflection and uh, an affirmation. I don't know if you counted that one. Okay, so two. Okay. Reflections. Okay, so we'll say five. You know, we'll, we'll be gracious with that. Um, and then summaries. Yeah. It, it was closest to being summary, but she was asking multiple questions in there, so... But, but yeah. I'll, I'll, it's okay. It's okay. It's Okay. Okay. So, so, when you're, so when you're, but when you're offering the summary, I mean, it, it's, it's like you're like, okay, go. You know, when, and, and, and part of that is, was, was your hesitancy in feeling like you could comment on my life. Um, when you're making a summary, you're, you're essentially taking a stab at, this is what I think is going on, but it's okay to say it authoritatively, because you're saying, I'm comfortable, I understand what's going on right now. This is what's going on with you. And if I don't agree with you, I'm going to correct you on it anyways. But by throwing the questions in there, I'm thinking about, wait a second, what am I, what, what's, what's going on? Because you had, there was a reflection and then there were a few questions, but you can do a reflective summary, which is what you started off doing. No questions. Just say what is. It, like I said, it paints the whole picture. It brings everything into focus and it helps me to be able to take a step back from things and say, yeah, this is what's going on. This is, the, this is the big issue at play right now. And, and then it's also kind of, a, it's op, once you have the summary, it's an opportunity for you to say, all right, well, let me ask another question that allows me to move on to a different side of this. So maybe the spiritual side or, or, or the school side or something like that, okay? We're a minute over, so are there any last-minute questions? I know this was a ton. If you want, I'll leave my iPad up here and um, put your email... Actually, no, write your name because I deleted it last year by accident. Write your name on the back of my book. I'll email you the PowerPoint presentation. Um, and, and if I find any resources that are good, I can email them to you as well. Um, are there any questions based on what we did today? If not, I hope this was helpful. Um, you know, hopefully it's something that you can take with you um, and, and put to some good use. But... Um, Thank you for being here. I mean, it was an hour and a half out of your afternoon, so thank you very much for coming.